The following is a message by Pastor Mike Nye of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. You can turn in your scriptures, if you would, please, to Leviticus chapter 23. We've got a little bit of background work to do before we get to our text. Leviticus 23. God in his grace and wisdom instituted for his people, Israel, a number of feasts, feast days, feast weeks, days that they were to celebrate together and worship him. And one of them was called the Feast of Booths, which is in uh, chapter 23 of Leviticus, in verses 33 through 43, Moses describes it. I'm not going to read through that text for our purposes here today. You can do that today and educate yourself on, on the Feast of Booths. But it was a commemoration of when Israel dwelt in temporary shelters in the wilderness. And so on the uh, 15th day of the seventh month, they would kick off this Feast of Booth celebrations, which was the last of the big celebrations in the year. Uh, and they would kick it off with a, a holy convocation, a gathering together, nobody working, and they would just have a great big party. They would uh, eat, they would sacrifice and eat, they would cut branches from particular trees and wave them before the Lord and just rejoice. And the point of this was to uh, make known to their children and grandchildren the wonder that God did when he provided booths for his people to live in during the wilderness wanderings. Most of you probably like me have not lived in a desert, at least not for any length of time. God's people lived there for 40 years. And so this commemorated his protection of them. And especially if you think about the heat, the dryness. And so they would have come together and celebrate how good God had been to them, bringing them food and water when they needed it. Now, another important addition to the celebration, which is not given to us in the book of Moses, or in the Bible at all, uh, is a water-pouring ritual that came into practice in Israel sometime uh, before Jesus was born. And so what happened in this water-pouring ritual was during the seven days of the feast, the Levites would get a flagon of water, gold flagon of water from the, the pool of Siloam, and would carry it to the altar walk around, it was either around the altar or around the temple once, and pour the water out on the altar. On the seventh day, they would do this, they would walk around seven times. So this was a tradition that came in in Israel and would have been in existence when Jesus was uh, alive. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to give some um, additional importance to Jesus' statement here in a moment in John chapter 7. If you turn to John chapter 7, the third kind of important feature here that I want us to look at is John's arrangement of this material. John chapter 7 
Remember, John is writing this biography of Jesus now, years after Jesus has ascended. And as he reflects on some things, he organizes material in particular ways. And it's, it's, there's an importance in the organization in today's text combined with the text before it. So in chapter 7, we find that Jesus has uh, gone up to this feast. He had told his brothers he wasn't going with them, but he went alone. Uh, he didn't really want at that point to, to have everybody make a big ado about him. Um, he, he was avoiding the... Uh, Pharisees who've been trying to arrest him and kill him, and, and he's up there, but Jesus can't remain without being at the center of tension very long uh, because he is the Savior. And so uh, in chapter 14, uh, verse 14, in the middle of the feast, he goes up to the temple and he begins teaching. And people are marveling at his teaching. And they're asking themselves, is this the Christ? He's teaching with that kind of authority. The Pharisees, verse 32, heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, he will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. Well, they were confused. I'm sure even the disciples were confused by this. We find that out later in the discourse in the upper room. They don't really understand this going away. But we have the the reflection now of the scriptures and history, and we know that, that what Jesus is referring to is his ascension, which we would have celebrated Uh, A week ago, Thursday, right? Not last Thursday, but the week before, his ascension, that he went to be with his father. And so he says, I'm going to a place and you're not going to find me. And note then that that ascension happens, or or John uh, uh, writes about it. He records this instruction about the ascension right before the next text, which is today's text, verses 37 through 39, which is going to talk about the coming of the Spirit. Because in church history, in the church calendar, that is the order, right? Jesus ascends, and the next thing that happens, we're told in Acts, is that the Spirit comes upon his his, uh, disciples. So that brings us then to the sermon text for today, John 7, 37 through 39. Here, Jesus is going to make two statements, and John is going to make two observations or commentaries about those statements, or at least about one of them. And so that's what we're going to look at today. My hope today is that you will let the Spirit so work in your heart that rivers of living water will flow out of you and touch the lives of others for good. And I want us to see out of the text how that is what John intends, how that is what Jesus intends to happen to us that the Spirit will work in your heart, that rivers of living water will flow out of you and touch others for good. Jesus' first statement is this. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is that great reversal 
that I, that I spoke of last week where dry, dead, unbearable things become lively and delightful, where parched throats are quenched and cracked lips are moistened. Jesus has already declared himself to be this living water. If you look back at John chapter 4, when he meets the woman at the well, he says to her, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is that great reversal. Jesus will make water exist where there is none. He will provide what you long for. This is the exchanging of the heart of stone for the heart of flesh. A work that we understand the Spirit does through what's called regeneration. The Spirit comes and transforms the heart, regenerates it from something dead to something alive. The Spirit work in the great reversal. Please, please, if you are thirsting today for what is good and right, if you are longing for something to satisfy your soul and you've tried all other kinds of things except Jesus, come to Jesus. He will give you living water. He will save you. He will make a loving and pure heart exist where there isn't one. That is the great reversal. Jesus' second statement then is this, whoever believes in me as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You've got to picture the scene that John's describing here. Jesus has gone up to the temple. He's teaching the people. And it's very possible, the text doesn't tell us for sure, but it's very possible that this water, uh, water pouring out ceremony might be happening even at this point. It would make a lot of sense in what Jesus says. Because he stands up in the middle of all that's going on and says in a loud voice, whoever believes in me as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine how people would perceive that? Knowing the ceremony of pouring the water out on the altar. And here is the true temple of God. The true sacrifice of God. And he says, look, you might see that, but I am the real thing. That's what all this stuff has been pointing to. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. It could not have been missed. It could not have been mistaken. Although it could have been rejected and ignored. Now this is a bit of a challenging text because Jesus says that he is quoting a scripture and yet there's a lot of uncertainty about which scripture Jesus is quoting. Mainly because none of the scripture texts that seem to fit, fit nice and clean. Uh, the, the, there's really three or four texts that most commentators and scholars believe Jesus might have been referring to. Isaiah 12.3, Isaiah 44.3, Ezekiel 47.1, that's a very interesting one because Ezekiel says there's water coming out of the temple and spreading out all over. And Zechariah 14.8. Those, those texts seem to fit sort of what Jesus is saying here, but they're not, this is not a direct quote as we would understand it. So none of these can really be made to fit exactly into Jesus' word, but there's value in each of them in thinking about what Jesus means. I'm not going to take the time here today to work through each of those, but I'd encourage you as an exercise this afternoon to do that. Maybe around the table, even talk about those texts and, and, and think about them together and how they might be referred, referred, ones referred to by Jesus. 
One of the reasons that it's not all that imperative that we know which text is quoting is because John tells us what this text means. It's, it's always wonderful when the New Testament writers do the commentary work for us, right? Because <laughs> it's right there. It's part of the scriptures. And look what he says. He's going to give a commentary on this now, uh, a two-fold, a two-part commentary. Now remember, John... John has the benefit now of having lived three years with Jesus, having seen his uh, crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension. He was there at the Upper Room Discourse, which he later records for us. He was there at Pentecost when the Spirit came upon him as, and others, and they began to speak in various tongues. John has the benefit of all this experience and now some time to reflect on that and think about it. And as he does, this is what he understands. This is what he says is happening. First, verse 39, this Jesus said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So the first commentary on this statement of Jesus, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, John says the, that, that river of living water flowing out of them is the Holy Spirit. It's not the his, out of his heart, that's the one who believes. It is the rivers of living water. This, Jesus said this about the Spirit, is what John is saying. John is making a commentary here related to something that's going to come up again further. And he's talking about this outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost in particular, and then the Spirit coming upon the believer uh, in general. And in John 16, you might note, he picks up on this in, in um, or he records anyway, Jesus' uh, discussion um, about the Spirit with his followers. In John 16, verse uh, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. And so the second part of the commentary by John is this, that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So it's clear in John's mind from the teaching of Jesus that there's ascension, Jesus is going to go to be with the Father, and then the Spirit is going to come to dwell within his people. This is the greater reversal. The great reversal was conversion. The greater reversal is sanctification, when the Spirit comes and now dwells within us. Remember, last week we saw that Jesus says, said, I come to give life abundantly. The next upcoming thing in the, ordin in the, in the church calendar is the ordinary days. We've had these intense celebrations around Advent and Christmas, and this intense look at the life of Christ until his crucifixion and resurrection, and now this ascension and the intensity around the Spirit coming, and now we've got a while before Advent comes. These ordinary days. The feasts and celebrations will die down. The mundane may begin to lay hold of you. I was thinking about our families having a, a family reunion at the end of June, Everybody's going to be there. My, my family from, uh, from Missouri, Alita and her family, and from central New York, all going to be together for four days or something like that. 
It's going to be exciting. There's going to be lots of eating and laughing and talking and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then on Tuesday, whenever they all go home, I'm going to get depressed. My wife knows this. This this happens every time we have a big party with them and then they leave. (sighs) This is the mundane breaks back in, right? The party's over. That's what we're going into, the ordinary days. And it's at this time then that we have to lay hold of the truth that Jesus is teaching us here. And that is that out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. Meaning, during these ordinary days, the Spirit will press out of your life to cause you to do great things in Jesus' name. It's it's easy to live up on that mountaintop. Remember what Peter wanted when Jesus was transfigured? Let's build some booths here and let's just stay here. And Jesus says, no, it's time to go back down the mountain. We struggle with that. We like being up on the mountain. But the Holy Spirit has come in order to press out of our lives in the ordinary days the great and wonderful grace of Jesus. Imagine yourself. I'm going to bring back in Isaiah 35. Hopefully you had been reading that every day for the past week and have memorized it. Because I want you to imagine yourself in these ordinary days bringing the water of life, the good news of the gospel, Jesus to people dried up and living unbearable lives. You know, somebody's really thirsty, like I'm out mowing the lawn and Mowing and mowing and mowing, and one of my kids show up with a glass of water with ice in it. And I'm like, I love you. I really love you. You can be the refreshing stream that breaks forth to flood the desert and causing it to blossom like the crocus. That's the ordinary days. That's what we're here for. For the Spirit to work through us to bring good to others. You can cause burning sand to become a pool and grass to become reeds and rushes. Now, this isn't going to be because you're so great or I'm so great. It's going to be because God is so great and so gracious and willing to send his very spirit upon us and within us to do this work. The greater reversal becomes evident in our lives when we walk in the spirit And it floods the nations with grace and mercy. You want to do that over the next few months? Just flood the nations with grace and mercy? Or maybe just our nation. Or maybe just your state. Or community or family or just the person that you share the bed with even. Just somehow, by living in the Spirit, having waters, living waters flow out of you, to bring good to others. You think about the checkout clerk who's had a bad day. You got there at the wrong time. They are so grumpy. And the response of the world is, well, they're going to be grumpy with me. I'm just going to show them that I can now grump them. That's just like putting fire on top of the hot sand. Not helpful. But think about if you enter into that in spirit living, speaking kindly, trying to bring some kind of word of encouragement into their life, less concerned about the purchase and whether they even got the price right and more concerned about could I cause, could the spirit cause through me today 
to make crocuses blossom in this person's life. That's what Jesus is talking about. And every one of us can do that. Because every one of us who are following Jesus have his spirit within us. Size isn't the issue. You don't have to affect the world. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is what God says is important. Walking in the spirit day by day. That's what these ordinary things are about, these ordinary days. They're about letting the Spirit so work in your heart that rivers of living water flow out of you and touch the lives of others for good. Well, we have great reversal and greater reversal. I just can never stop there because there's always the greatest reversal. And it includes water. Look over at Revelation chapter 22. Water is so life-giving. God just has it all over the place. Chapter 22, the very same John who's written these other accounts for us of Jesus is now taken by an angel and shown, verse 1 of 22, the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the the healing of the nations. No longer will it be anything accursed But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. Wow. The greatest reversal. And there's water coming right out of the throne of God. The river of life. And then look as we end here at at verse 17. Who is it that calls for the return of Jesus? The Spirit and the Bride. We, empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, together with Him, cry out, Come! Come! The Holy Spirit, in the great reversal, changing the heart of stone to flesh, The Holy Spirit in the greater reversal, pressing out of our lives that which is against God and bringing in that which is for God and empowering us then to be God's people and live for him. And then the Holy Spirit flowing forth to bring about for us the greatest reversal. Come, Lord Jesus, and let the one who is thirsty come. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if you're thirsty, he says, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. For out of your heart can flow through these ordinary days rivers of living water. Amen, Father. Would you please make it so? Would you cause our church to be water 
in a wilderness, in a dry place where people's lives are unbearable, where they have no hope, they see no beauty, cause us to walk so in the Spirit that out of us will flow those living waters that will touch people's lives in some way. They would turn to Jesus. They would honor you. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mike Nye of Durkeetown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeetown, please visit our website at www.durkeetown.org.